Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Impact Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm Pastor Brandon, the church planter and lead pastor. We are a new church in the D.C. area that is centered on the gospel and sent to our neighborhoods, Northern Virginia, and the nations. Please visit our website at www.impactfxbg.church. There, you'll find our current meeting times and locations. Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. Hey, if you have a Bible with you this morning, go ahead and get that out. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you, maybe it's your first time to church ever or first time in a while, go ahead and uh, you can use your phone or a tablet and uh, you can download a really cool app. There's one I use called Version, Y-O-U version, and uh, you can connect to the Wi-Fi, download that app and, uh, and follow along with us in the Bible. We're going to be in the book of John today, John chapter 20. And uh, as you guys turn to John chapter 20, I'll tell you what verse in just a second, all right? Um, I want to tell you what verse because there's a couple of things I want to chat about, about what we're going to be talking about today. Um, I don't want you to, to read ahead. Um, so we'll get there, but we'll be in John chapter 20 today. And uh, today, we're going to be chatting about um, one specific word as we talk about Easter. And uh, obviously, we, uh, you, we would think that word would be Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. All right, and uh, that's good, but that's not the word today, all right? Uh, We're going to assume that we uh, will say that word, but the word that I want us to talk about today, and if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to take notes so you don't just forget everything you hear today. You can take notes on your phone or on a card or a notebook. We have some notebooks uh, as well we can give you, but um, I want you to write this word down. The word is vivid. The word vivid. And I want you guys to, I just want to tell you what the definition of the word vivid is. The word vivid means to produce powerful feelings. The word vivid means to produce powerful feelings or strong, clear images in your mind. You ever, um, and you guys get that, right? Because like you've had those moments where you'd be talking and sharing a story and it's usually like when you're sharing a story and uh, sometimes especially, uh, this is really cool because uh, this past weekend, well, this past, yesterday, uh, we celebrated um, uh, another Impact Church Fredericksburg wedding and uh, Rihanna and Phil got married. Yeah, congratulations, guys. It's great. And, uh, and so... Um, Uh, But it was really cool because I met who I think are Rihanna's grandparents, Nelda and, and Charles. And let me just tell you something about Nelda and Charles. This was like one of my favorite moments ever at a wedding. Is uh, they, they come up, and um, I'm not going to embarrass you by telling this, right? I haven't told Rihanna this story. Usually I check for permission, but it's Easter. And, uh, and so, um, so I'm hanging out at the wedding, and, uh, and I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, in control of the playlist, the music, right? Uh, so at the reception, I'm either your favorite person or your least favorite person at the reception. So I'm hanging out, I'm helping out, I'm doing that thing, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm taking a little break, and I'm, I'm chomping on some food over on the side, and over comes Charles and Nelda. And, uh, and they come over, and, and they, they stand with me, and Nelda looks at me, and she says, um, I guess they told you the music to play. And I said, yes, ma'am, I'm just following orders. 
And she said, yeah. And she looks over and they're doing like the cha-cha slide or something, you know, over in the, the side. And, and she just looks over and she stares at him and she just shakes her head. And I thought, oh, Miss Nelda, I know, I know. And, and I said, what are we going to do? And she said, she said, Pastor, these people, they just don't know that these young people these days, they like all this fast music and, you know, all this dancing and they do all this fast dancing. They said if they were smart, they'd play something slow. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry, Miss Nelda. She said, something slow. I said, I look over at Charles. He raises his eyebrows at me. I thought, Lord, how do I get out of this situation? How do I, where's my exit, you know? And so we're, we're just talking. I said, okay, all right, Miss. And I keep trying to change the subject. How's the weather? Where are you from? And she says, yeah. She said, because, you know, when you dance real slow, you get to stand real close. And I said, uh, I'll spare you the rest of the conversation. But uh, I said, I said, I looked over at Charles and I said, Charles, how long you been married? And uh, he looks at Nelda and nods his head and she goes, he doesn't know. <laughs> and I said, I said, fair enough. And I said, how long you been married, Nelda? And she said, 63 years. And I said, 63 years, that's amazing. And she said, yeah. And she said, but we were together three years before that. We've been together 66 years. I looked at Charles. I said, what took you so long? And he said, she was 14 years old. I said, okay, I don't want to hear that story. I don't need to hear that story. All right? And so I just had this amazing conversation. But then I, I looked at him, and, and I just looked at him, and I said, well... I said, listen, we got, I said, I'm going to put on something slow for you. I'm going to, I got you. I'm going to take care of you. I said, but uh, tell me this. I said, uh, I've been married for 11 years. I said, what's the secret to 63 years in the outrage? And you know what they both did in sync? They both in sync stared off into outer space. And I thought, you with me? <laughs> and they came back and they looked at me and Charles said, well, you just don't stop. You just keep going. You keep loving every day. And, and Nelda said, you can't do it without Jesus. And I said, that's really good. That's really good. And in that moment, I thought to myself, this is the only thing I cared about. I'm surprised I even remembered what they told me. Because here's all I could think about. Here's all that I wanted to know. What were they thinking about when their eyes drifted off into outer space? Right? Because uh, they were probably, maybe they were thinking about some cuss words. Maybe, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know what they were thinking about. But I wonder, because in that moment, you know what they had? They had a vivid thought. And that vivid thought caused them to answer the way that they answered. But before they could answer, they had to have this moment of vividness, this moment of a, of a vivid thought. And you know it, right? Like the times where someone asks you about something and you have a vivid memory, a thought that comes to you. You're like, I can't even believe I remember that. But it's just like yesterday, right? Like it just comes to you. Um, sometimes it's a special moment in your life. Someone that you met, um, a friendship, a, a moment with your friends, like just something crazy you did. Like we have a vivid moment. And, uh, and so what we're going to be talking about today, guys, is we're going to read the Bible and we're going to talk about a story where someone had a vivid moment with Jesus. 
And then we're going to answer the question, is Jesus vivid to us? Okay. Uh, one thing you may notice is uh, another uh, thing that may catch your attention today is off to the side, we have a beautiful cross being made. And, uh, and the reason for that is because we want you, as you're listening to the Easter story, we want you to be able to see an actual picture of something vivid, something that's beautiful. If you think, you could probably actually smell the flowers and see something. And guys, as real and as beautiful as those flowers are that are now covering up an ugly, dirty cross, as beautiful and vivid as that is, church, listen to me, eyes up here, I had to get your attention. Everybody's like, oh, they are pretty, yeah. <laughs> is Jesus can be just as vivid to you today. And that's what we want today. So John chapter 20, and we're going to start in verse 24. John chapter 20, starting in verse 24. If you're there, say, I'm there. I'm there. Okay, great. John chapter 20, starting in verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. All right, so if you're taking notes, that verse 25, you can just write the word vivid, okay? That's their vivid moment where Thomas comes in. Thomas was one of the, Jesus had 12 really close disciples. Thomas was one of those 12. Thomas comes in, he'd been gone Okay, and Jesus showed up after he had died and rose again. So after he had been resurrected and Thomas didn't see it. Thomas was in the bathroom. All right, I don't know where Thomas was, but he wasn't there. Okay, and so the other disciples, they give him like he walks in. He's probably long faced like, man, this is horrible. Jesus died. And the disciples look at him and say, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. That's our vivid moment. But listen to what Thomas says. Thomas said to them, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. So you can put there in your notes in the Bible, opposite of vivid. All right? <laughs> And here's, here's what we have. So you have to remember when Jesus died on the cross, they crucified him, right? They drove nails through his hands um, on the cross beams. And then they drove nails through his feet um, on the other beam. And then uh, they put a crown of thorns on top of his head. And then one thing that they did uh, towards his death was they took a spear and they jabbed him in the side. And, uh, and so that's what we have recorded in Scripture. So that's what Thomas says. Thomas says, you know what? Unless he comes in and I see him with my own eyes, that even wouldn't be enough. I don't need to just see him. I need to touch him. I need to feel him. I need to have some sort of experience because here's the deal. If I don't have that, I will never, ever believe. Thomas says he needs to see. He needs to have a vivid experience or he will never believe. Thomas was seeking a vivid experience with Jesus. One where he could touch, feel, see. And guys, listen, for so many of us here today, it doesn't matter if you've been in church your whole life or if you've been in church for 45 minutes. It does not matter. We all long to have some sort of experience with Jesus. 
Like all of us, we can sit back and go, man, Thomas is such a bump. Why didn't he just believe? And the fact is, man, I want the same thing. I want the same thing. I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. But let me tell you something. If I had the opportunity, I'd want to put my hand right in his hand. I'd want to put my hand right on his side. I'd want to see him with my own eyes. Like I desire that vivid experience with Jesus. So let's keep reading. Let's see what happens. Verse 26. Eight days later. (laughs) Hey, uh, just let's stop right there. This is kind of funny. So you need to underline that. You need to circle that, write it down. Because here's the deal. Thomas says, I'm never going to believe ever. Like this is a never ever situation. Like I know, I know like the 10 of you, there's only 10 because one of them didn't, Judas, he didn't make it to the after party. And so you've got like the, the 10 and you've got Thomas and, uh, and they're hanging out. And Thomas says, man, I will not believe never, ever, ever, ever will I believe unless I see it with my own eyes and touch it with my own hand. And so you would think in that moment, Jesus would just show up. Like, if it was me, I'm flexing hard in that moment, all right? Like, if it's me and I'm Jesus, I'm like, what'd you say, Thomas? You know, like, I'm, I'm on it, you know? And, uh, and instead, like, what we have is the verse 26 starts with eight days later. Jesus makes the bro sweat for eight days. Like, he doesn't just show up in the moment of his doubt. Because, listen to me. Jesus' goal is never proof. It's always faith. Jesus' goal is never proof. He does not have to prove Himself any more than when He walked out of an empty tomb. Like Jesus is alive. Historical fact. Jesus is alive. He is risen from the dead. There is no more need of proof. And so Jesus does not require proof for Thomas. Thomas doesn't need proof to follow Jesus. Thomas needs faith. And let me tell you what often accompanies building faith. Because some of you are like, Pastor, how do I get faith? I want faith, but how? How do I increase my faith? You know what God uses to increase faith? Time. Time. The least favorite word in Northern Virginia. Wait. (laughs) There's some spiritual murmurs in the house today. That's right. Wait. And that's what Jesus tells Thomas. Sometimes we're praying, right? Sometimes we're praying, asking God to do something. We're like, God, man, I need you to show up. I need a vivid moment. I need something to happen. I need you to show yourself vivid in this moment. I need you to show up. And Jesus waits an hour. Jesus waits a day. I think it's pretty significant that Jesus waits more than a week. Because it's easy to say, man, Jesus made me wait a whole day. Or Jesus made me wait a whole week. But I think, for me, something mental, I think after the seven-day period, I would just say, I guess he's not going to do it. Because I would have done it within a nice, clean, little calendar week. You know, that's when people expect emails returned. And that's when I would have done it. And Jesus, I think, because Jesus, listen, Jesus is not a buzzer beater. He's not going to beat the buzzer at the last minute and shoot the three and win the game. Jesus sometimes lets the clock run out. And then he meets you in the parking lot after the game. 
and shows himself vivid. Guys, this was always about Thomas's faith and belief, never about his proof. All right, let's keep reading. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. I bet he was. I bet Thomas did not leave their side the rest of the time, right? Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. They should have installed a ring bell or something. And said, peace be with you. And now that's significant because a lot of times we hear that, we think Jesus would just come in and, you know, like a good religious leader, hi, peace be with you, you know. No, this is more like the doors are locked, they're hiding in a room in a closet by themselves, the door opens, they think someone's out to get them, to kill them, and Jesus comes in and he's like, peace, 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 it's me, it's just me, peace. Be still, sit down, be quiet, all right, that's what Jesus says. So then he goes on, he says this, I love the fact that Jesus takes care of business immediately. Well, after eight days. Verse 27, then he said to Thomas. Isn't that amazing? I love the fact right there, Jesus doesn't play around. It doesn't say he says, peace be still. He shakes Peter's hand. You know, James and John put them on their shoulders and parade them around the room. Like there's none of that. He says, peace be still. Where's Thomas? See, listen to me. Even in your doubt, Jesus sees you. But can I just say this? I'm not telling you that as a you better watch it. I'm telling you that to bring you comfort. It's not a Jesus sees you so you better be good. It's a Jesus sees you. And he is here. He is with you. He will not abandon you. And so I imagine Thomas feels a little called out, maybe a little comforted. And he says, Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. And then Jesus gives a command. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Now here's what I think is significant about about verse 27, is that Jesus doesn't just say, you know, don't disbelieve. Like, that's easy, right? You come to church, you're used to that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Stop doing this. Knock this off. Do this better. And Jesus doesn't preach that type of message to Thomas. Jesus looks at Thomas and he says, don't disbelieve. And what Jesus says in that moment is, I know your struggle. I know you're struggling. I know you're struggling to believe in me. Okay? That's not a command of guilt. That's a command of I see you. I know you. And then he follows it up, not with a, would it have been easy for Jesus to just say, man, after all I did for you, after all I preached to you, and you still didn't believe me. Well, here I am. You want, here's my hands. Go ahead. Touch them. Here's my side. Now do you believe Thomas? Sorry, a little bit of Pastor Brandon's coming through right now, all right? Because that's, that's what would have happened, all right? But instead, Jesus doesn't just give him the command to not, or to not disbelieve. Then Jesus gives him the command to believe. See, Jesus is not just a bunch of rules of what not to do. Jesus offers us a lifestyle of what we can do. And this is a command. Believe. But it's also an invitation. It's a command to believe, but it's also an invitation. Where Jesus is inviting Thomas to have a vivid experience with him. 
To say, man, I see you, I, I hear you, I feel you, I touch you, I have this vivid experience with you, I will believe in you. So look at verse 28. Let's see what Thomas's response is to all Lord. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. See, a vivid experience turned into a personal response. And this vivid experience led Thomas to respond personally. See, it'd be really easy for me to get up here and ooh you and all you with a bunch of theology, with a bunch of this is who, all that Jesus, blah, blah, blah. It'd be really easy for me to do that. But in reality, here's the thing, is that Jesus doesn't want to just be known. He wants to be known by you. He wants it to be personal. See, Jesus didn't just die. He died for you. He thought of you when he died. He wants a relationship with you. He is fully capable of doing that. And so Thomas, in this moment, a vivid experience leads him to a personal response where Jesus wasn't just a... Sometimes when people ask us, you know, if we're religious, we may answer with, I go to church. Or if people ask us what we believe or what our faith tradition is, we may say, I am a Christian. But the question is, are you following Jesus? Do you have a relationship with God? Like this whole thing ain't about religion. It's not about checking a box and ascribing to a faith tradition. It's not even about church attendance. This whole thing is about do you have a relationship with God? Do you know Him? Because he knows you. And church, listen to me. He wants you to know him. And so Thomas's response is what all of our responses should be when we have a vivid experience with Jesus. Not check a box, not um, set a list, not join a church, but say, my Lord and my God. Let's keep going. Verse 29. And Jesus said to him, Hey, Thomas, have you believed because you've seen me? And the answer would be, yes. <laughs> Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. That's us. So even in the heart of the resurrection... Jesus is thinking about you when he dies on the cross, and Jesus is thinking about you after he rises from the dead. And he looks at Thomas and says, I'm glad I could be here for you. I'm glad I could give you this vivid experience. And he says, but even more blessed are those who are going to believe on Easter Sunday in the year 2020 than you, Thomas. Like, don't worry, Thomas, I'm with you, I'm here, we're tight, we're good, don't you worry. He says, but if you're feeling this blessed to be able to say, my Lord and my God, think about how blessed people are going to be in Fredericksburg, Virginia in 2023 when they believe in Jesus and they haven't even seen. Guys, Jesus was thinking about you thousands of years ago. And he knew that in this year, in this moment, some of us were going to have a vivid experience with Jesus and say, man, I'm tired of doing things on my own. I want Jesus. And so today, I want to I end today. Um, well, I shouldn't have said that because I still got another hour. But I, 
I'm just kidding. It's a joke, all right? It's a stupid pastor joke, but it's a joke. <laughs> Guys, there's a, what I want to do today is I want to answer two questions today. I want to answer, because here's the deal. I don't want you to walk out of here and go, man, that was good. Yeah, I want Jesus. Okay, what's for lunch? Like, I don't want you to do that. What I want you to do is I want you to know Jesus. And I want to offer you an opportunity, an invitation to believe in Jesus. So we're going to answer two questions. The first question is this. Who is he? Who is Jesus? Like, who, who is this guy? Because listen, if you're going to believe in someone, you need to know who he is. Like, not just what you've heard about him, or Lord know what you've Googled about him. Like, you need to know who is he. And uh, straight from his words, he tells us who he is in the whole book of John. And so I'm not going to, um, I'm just going to read a few verses to us and, and just kind of jot these down, all right? So um, there are, Jesus makes these seven statements where he says, I am this, and tells us who he is, okay? And this is what he says. Um, number one, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, for whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Church, listen to me. You wonder who Jesus is? Who is this Jesus that is risen from the dead? He is your bread of life. He will satisfy you and he will sustain you. That means he is enough for you on the days when you feel like you don't have enough to get up. Jesus is enough for you. And it means on the days you feel discontent and unsatisfied, with how life is, dissatisfied with your marriage, dissatisfied with your relationships, dissatisfied with your identity and who you are, it means that Jesus alone can satisfy those longings. He is the bread, except not for your body, but for your soul. And we all know how important it is when you're a little hangry to carve up. Come on. You getting hangry? Nobody wants a vegetable bowl. <laughs> Shove a pizza in my mouth. That's what we're talking about. I love that Jesus uses carbs. And he says, I'm just playing. But he says, I am the bread of life. I will satisfy. This is who Jesus is. Number two, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Listen to John chapter 8, verse 12. John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Man, how amazing is this? <laughs> What this literally means is that there are some of us here today and you feel like you are in darkness. When you lay down to sleep at night, your mind goes to really dark places. When you walk around, when you are left alone in your own thoughts, you, you wander too far and don't know how to get back. What this means is you feel, you feel like you don't know where you're going in life. You have no idea. And, and maybe for some of us, it means you've already taken a path in life and now you've, you've owned it, that's your path, but you have no idea how to get back to where Jesus is. And lucky for us is that Jesus doesn't say, well, you, laid your, you made your bed, now lay in it. Lucky for us, Jesus doesn't say, well, I don't know, you drifted off, figure out how to get back. Lucky for us, Jesus says, I know I've been with you the whole time. You thought you were drifting from me, but I'm actually with you now. Here's a flashlight, let's get back to where we're going. That's called grace. That's what Jesus offers to us. Jesus says this. He says, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. That's kind of weird, unless you're a farmer or a shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he'll be saved 
and will go in and out and find pasture. See guys, in sheep pens, there were doors. There were pens to protect the sheep, but there were also doors so that the sheep could also live in freedom. And guys, that's how our relationship with God is. And Jesus says, but I am the door. So if you want to know how to, how to find freedom, if you want to know how not just to live in a church or a religion that's nothing but about rules to follow, he says, then you need to walk through my door. Jesus says, I am the door. And notice he says, you'll uh, enter by me and you'll be saved. But, that, but there's a better word for that. It's not just saved like a church word, but the word safe. Enter by me and you will be safe. Because if you were trying to capture a sheep, then maybe you would create a false door that, that the sheep would go in and all of a sudden be left alone where they could be captured and harmed. And Jesus says, every other door that you walk through in your life that you're depending on is going to lead you to destruction. It's going to lead you to loneliness. He says, enter through my door. He says, believe in me and I will keep you safe. Um, next, we hear that Jesus says he is the resurrection and the life. John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Come on, somebody. Jesus looks at him and says, listen, I, I, Jesus says, I'm the resurrection. And I love the fact that he says that because sometimes people are like, uh, man, Brandon, you're saying like, you know, you can have eternal life, but doesn't everyone die? Yes. And Jesus says, though he die, yet shall he live forever. Because your body will die. And then Jesus promises that all those who believe in him, all those who follow Jesus will enter through him and will be kept safe. Because he alone is able to lift you from the dead. Without Jesus, death is death. Death is death. But in Jesus, death is life. And that means the worst thing that could ever happen to you is that you would die. And when you follow Jesus, that actually becomes the best thing that could ever happen to you. Next, Jesus says, who is he? Who is Jesus? Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Look at John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Man, how amazing is this? That Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Meaning that, man, he is, he is able to, when you feel lost, when you feel like, I don't know, what is truth? Like, does the Bible really mean this? And you get caught up in, but I was reading an article about this, or I was studying something about this, and all of a sudden, truth becomes really relative. And then we have to create brand new terms called my truth, her truth, their truth, our truth. And we start, we start saying things like that instead of the truth. And so Jesus comes and settles it and says, are you looking for stability? <laughs> are you looking for something you can grab onto that is secure? Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. So if any of you want some direction in your life, if any of you want to know truth in your life, and if any of you want to have life in your life, Jesus is your answer. 
And then he says this. This is the last one he says. Jesus says he is the true vine. John chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. What that means is, he is the vine and we are the branches. What it means is, Jesus doesn't want to just know about you, he wants to know you. Jesus doesn't want you to just know about him, he wants you to actually know him. That's why he doesn't say, I'm the vine and the branches hang out on the other side of the farm. He says, I am the vine and the branches actually grow out of me. And guys, in that, Jesus is the vine. And everyone who knows Jesus can literally know him the way that a branch is attached to a vine. Guys, that's the closeness that you can have with God Almighty. But you can only have it through Jesus. You don't have it through church attendance. You don't have it through being good enough. You can only have it because you believe in Jesus. Worship team's going to go ahead and come up, and I want to answer this second question for you. It's the last question I'm going to answer for you today. Is if we know who he is, then the next logical question is, what has he done? If that's who he is, then what has he done? <laughs> okay, Brandon, a lot of people in history claim to have answers. Brandon, a lot of people throughout history claim to know it all. Brandon, there's a lot of philosophies out there that claim the same exact stuff that I would just want to tell you, okay, that, okay, I know I've read some of that too, so let's look at what he has done. Because I think what Jesus has done is way far greater than anything any other philosophy can give to us. Number one, Jesus has lived. Jesus has lived. And you say, yeah, but Brandon, so has Muhammad, and so has Gandhi, and so did Socrates. Like, all these people, they lived too. Brandon, I live. Yeah, but here's the difference. We live in a very broken way. You didn't need to come to church for me to tell you that, did you? We're broken, all right? And I'm not going to spend all day telling you about it. We already know. Our jobs are broken. Our relationships are broken. The world is broken. And if you can't see brokenness in yourself, you can at least see the brokenness in the people who live across the street from you. There is brokenness in the world. The difference is, all those people live the same broken life you and I do. Jesus only lived a perfect life. Jesus, in the face of brokenness, conquered it. Jesus, in the face of brokenness, knew what to do. And that's why we follow him. Because I'll be honest with you, I don't want to follow somebody who doesn't know the way out. If I'm stuck in a hole and you come down to get me, now we're both stuck in the hole. And that does neither of us good. But what I really want is for you to someone who can come down in the hole and me say, what are you doing down here? You should have gotten a rope. And they look at me and say, oh no, I've, I've actually been down here before and I know how to get out. Follow me. And that's Jesus. Jesus lived in this world. He lived and suffered all the same brokenness and temptations you and I do. The difference is we sin and we go into the brokenness and he defeated the brokenness and never sinned. He was fully pleasing to God. So Jesus lived, but guys, Jesus also died. 
You say, Brandon, we're all going to die. But again, the difference is, is that we're going to die and our life is going to be broken. And when we die, some people are going to get up. They're going to muster up some nice things to say about us. They're going to be sad for a little bit and the world is going to keep spinning. The difference is when Jesus died, it satisfied the entire wrath of God over every sin you've committed for all of time. And you're here today and you're going, Brandon, you don't, <laughs> Brandon, you don't know what, I mean, I understand this whole Jesus thing and it's Easter and you got to preach Jesus, but Brandon, I'm not so sure Jesus wants me because I've tried the church thing and I've been hurt. Brandon, I've tried the religion thing and it's left me feeling empty. Brandon, I've tried the whole, I grew up with the Jesus thing and it just never really latched on. And here's what I would tell you. You're exactly right. I don't know where you come from. I don't know where you've been. And I don't know what you've done. But I know who He is. And I know what He's done. And I know that He stands today with His hands out and His side available for you to come and have a vivid experience. Because His death took away your punishment. And now... Those who believe in Jesus without seeing Him will now have their sins forgiven. Not forgiven the way I forgive. I forgive and then I bring it up later. Okay? Jesus forgives and then He casts them as far as the ocean bottom. You can have all the bad things you've done your entire life completely forgiven and forgotten by an almighty and holy God. And that can happen in an instance today. But it does not happen by you. It happens because of his death. And here's the third thing he's done. He's risen from the dead. Jesus lived, Jesus died, and Jesus rose again. And so if you, if you didn't really think much of the first two, here's the deal. To seal it, to put the exclamation mark on it, and to show that this is actually about a relationship, Jesus picked Himself up from the dead. No one came with a defibrillator. Nobody stole His body. Nobody's putting on a big conspiracy that's duped billions of people over the last thousands of years. Jesus really is alive. And that's why we have a relationship with Him. Because you can't have a relationship with dead people. You can only follow someone who is alive. And that's why we say this is not about a religion. This is about a relationship. Because He's not on the cross anymore. And He's not buried under the earth. Jesus is alive. Jesus using His own power that He had from God when He was done being dead, decided not to be dead anymore. And He woke up and He sat up and He folded His laundry and walked out of the tomb. Jesus is alive. And this means He has full power over sin and over death. The two greatest enemies that we have. Jesus now has power. And everyone who believes in, them, in Jesus has the same power within them. So I know, man, we're here today and I just hope that somehow today Jesus has become a little bit more vivid to you than he was when you got here. It's kind of like whenever um, 
It was about a year ago. I was sitting on the couch, and I was, Ellen and I, my wife, we were working, and um, I had been working like this. had my laptop, and I was doing this, and I'd stack up three or four pillows so it could be eye level, and then I would just sit and type like that. And I did that for about a week or two. And then, I don't know, I guess my wife got the courage, and she looked at me, and she said, are you okay? I said, yeah, babe, uh, maybe a glass of water. She said, no, that's not what I'm talking about. She said, uh, you've been, like, staring at your screen. I was like, I know I have so much to do. She said, can you see okay? I said, babe, you got perfect vision. Now, my wife, she's blind as a bat. But I was like, me, I got, I got perfect vision. <laughs> I, nobody write that down. We're done taking notes. Put them away. <laughs> but listen, it's no secret. But listen, she looked at me and she said what no man in his mid-30s wants to hear. When's the last time you had an eye exam? I said, well, when I got my driver's license. I was 16 years old. She said, I think it's time. I was like, babe, they make the font so small now. Like, you don't understand. Okay, I said, you're sitting there with your 14-inch monitor. 12 inches, baby. Okay, that's what I'm at. And I was like, you'd be doing the same thing. And uh, anyway, so I stood up for myself and like a man. I walked into that eye exam room. <laughs> like a man. <laughs> and I took my eye exam. And they got done and they said, okay. And I said, what do you think? And they said, you have a blah, 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 blah. And I said, oh, okay. I was like, great. Can you write that down so I can go home and tell my wife that I don't need glasses? And he said, oh, no, you, you're getting glasses today. <laughs> and I said, then maybe let's keep this between us. And I did. I came home with glasses that day. But can I just tell you about, it takes a while to get used to them. About a week later, I looked and I was like, I was watching TV. I had my glasses on. And I said, babe, I said, uh, I don't know what you did to this TV. I said, but uh, I've been trying to get the fullness of the HD out of our TV. And I said, whatever settings you put on, I was like, this is incredible. It's like they're in the room with us. And she goes, that's what it's like if you can just see. <laughs> Guys, once I put the glasses on, it was a game changer. Couldn't believe that things were that good. Well, today, your next step is you got to put Jesus on. Because Jesus is who makes everything else in your life vivid. Jesus is who makes everything else in your life worth it. And so the way you do that is a big scary word called trust. You trust in Jesus. You believe that he lived a perfect life. You believe he died to forgive you of your sins. And you believe he rose from the dead and wants you to follow him today. And if you do that today, Jesus will be vivid to you. And he will begin making everything else in your life more vivid. Let's pray together. Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church Sermon Podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. 
Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.